Hi, this is Anita Pointer of the Pointer Sisters, and you're listening to Neil Jones Inside Your Head. Welcome to Inside Your Head. This is Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by producer Jennifer Ambrose and producer and lead star Kevin Makeley of Badland. It's very cool to have you both here. Great to be here. Thanks. Yeah. And so Badland is on Netflix right now. And uh, before we talk about it, for people who aren't aware yet, can you give them an idea of what Badland is? Uh, I sure. Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have uh, yeah, Badland is yeah. uh, Badland is a western. It, it's uh, basically a love letter homage to every spaghetti western, every Clint Eastwood movie, you know, uh, western that came before it. We know what we love and where our roots came from. So it's a modern modern telling of a classic spaghetti western. So if you're a fan of that genre or, you know, classic, even classic westerns of the 70s, early 80s, that whole time period with the larger-than-life Pistolero that's uh, shooting from the hip and having a good old time, that's the movie for you. And I think that's a, a timeless genre that appeals to, like, uh, all different uh, generations of movie fans. I agree. I agree. I mean, Westerns are, are, are timeless and classic. Uh, you know, some people say Westerns are are over. Uh, I beg to differ. And I think there's, you know, I think <laughs> the audience and the world, well, at least uh, the U.S. has spoken and rising to number three in Netflix proves that Westerns are not over. It's a very viable genre. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's American history. It's, a, you know, it's the, it's the uh, American West. It's the mythology of the U.S. And uh, I think it's here to stay forever. It's just a, a genre that, I mean, how can you ever stop watching Westerns? <laughs> right. Now, yeah. Jennifer, did you know? Nostalgic. Go on, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's a nostalgic genre, you know, which a lot of people are looking for in the comfort. It's Americana. It's all of those things, you know, and within the film itself, it's not only just the shoot 'em up, but it's, there's a love story. There's the characters are very rich and their stories come out um, in this particular film. And so I think it has all of the elements, you know, not just the, the genre piece, but to make a, 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 you know, a very artistic piece. Mm -hmm. now, did you know, Kevin, beforehand, how did you guys get together to uh, produce the movie? Yeah, I met Kevin uh, as a referral. So, you know, I'm also an attorney, entertainment attorney. And I met Kevin through a mutual filmmaker um, to kind of do some legal work and we sort of just hit it off had a, a lot in common very like-minded pretty much the same person <laughs> in different bodies and so we, you know while we're doing the legal work we start just chatting about ideas and different things and our goals and it became pretty clear pretty fast that we were going to work beyond just you know lawyer client relationship um, and he was already in the midst of creating the next project, which ended up becoming Badlands. We, we didn't know each other long, maybe a year prior to producing this film. Uh, and now it's been a couple years, but that's sort of how... Best friends. We're best <laughs> friends. 
Well, very good. Very good. Yeah. So, so Kevin, so you not only you know the star of the movie, uh, one of the producers of the movie. So, um, which came first, or was it kind of like a, it just kind of happened together? Like you were producing this movie that you're going to be in. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, to give a little backstory, a little history. I, yeah, I've been in this business for 20 plus years. I've been an, an actor, and you know, struggling actor with different levels of success. You know, the the roller coaster that is, uh, you know, acting. Uh, the career in acting and I uh, started in New York and migrated out to Los Angeles. And uh, so the acting was first for sure. And the producing came out of a need to control my own destiny or just, you know, uh, I'm a hard worker, you know, the kind of guy that, you know, I'm a, a blue collar kind of guy and you, you get out what you put in and, you know, as hard as you work, you, you strive and you make achievements and you kind of control what you do. And, and the movie business is just the opposite. You, as an actor, you, you know, you get an audition, you know, you hope you get an agent, you get an audition, you go through that whole route and you get your, you get your, uh, your audition, you get your sides, you, you work as hard as you can, as long as you can to master, you know, your audition, you go in, you, you do your audition. You hope you did the best job you can do. You leave and you hope for the best. 9.5 times out of 10, you don't get a call back and all that hard work goes. You know, so really your, your destiny is controlled by everybody else. I like to say there's a lot of people between you and yes uh, in this business. So, you know, uh, gathered a bunch of like-minded people and, you know, just said, you know, we, why can't we do this ourselves? You know, the, the, with the digital age, the playing field is being leveled. Uh, you can, you know, I can shoot a movie, a low budget independent film on the same camera that they shoot the Avengers on. And, you know, you're shooting it all digitally, can edit it on my laptop if need be, and I can release it digitally and it could be released, you know, alongside, uh, you know, Trolls World Tour that, you know, that just came out, you know, a major movie that's being released, you know, streaming right now. And a low budget independent film or just independent film doesn't be low budget, but any, you know, not a, not a studio film. It can be released on the same platforms that major motion pictures are being released. So it's leveled the playing field. So, you know, taking my years of, of hard work and, and, you know, knowledge of, you know, as much knowledge of the business I had and my work ethic and everything I'm, I, I do, uh, you know, said, well, let's do it ourselves. And I got a group of like-minded people together. Like I said, hardworking people, you know, experts in their own field, whether it's uh, directing or whether it's, you know, the uh, director of photography, uh, the editor, the composer, everybody who, who works hard in this field. It's not just in front of the camera. There's a million people that have to, you know, make a movie. It's a, it, it takes a village. And uh, lucked out, got a great crew, great group of people, and we started making movies and got them released. And Badland is our fifth movie. It seems it's seemingly an overnight success, but really, yeah, it's been a long road. Uh, and the fact that there is some success on Netflix with Badland is just, you know, it's just you know the, the cherry on on the Sunday. It's just it's just such an amazing feeling that work that, you know, we all did for, you know, we didn't get paid a lot of money to do it. We did it because we love it and we're striving to achieve something and, and a goal and have our art scene and, and everything. And it went out without a lot of marketing or anything. And, uh, the people watched it and told their friends and family to watch it and it rose so high up on Netflix. I mean, millions of people watched this movie. You can't ask for anything more than that as an independent filmmaker. It's a, not about the money it's about 
It's about the people looking, watching your work and talking about it is the greatest feeling. Mm-hmm. Just it's my a, two cents. <laughs> no, it's great. an amazing cast, uh, you know, self, obviously, and Bruce Stern, Wes Snooty. And I'm a big horror movie fan, so it's very cool to see Tony Todd, Amanda Weiss in the movie. Uh, so who, how did, who were you both involved in the casting of the movie? Uh, yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, as awesome uh, as a producer as Jennifer is, she's also fantastic at the business affairs and the legal side of it. So she handled all the contracts uh, as well. And it's just so great to have, so, sorry, shameless plug, Jennifer, but to have somebody like Jennifer on board that, you know, when you're in the cafe, it's, it's all in-house and you somebody that you trust that you know is making the deals and everything is airtight. And, uh, you know, it's very hard in, in the independent uh, world to secure good talent, to make sure your contracts are good, to do all that. It's not, a, it's not an inexpensive process. It's a very lengthy process as well. So to have such amazing partners, uh, you know, involved. Yeah. So we were all involved with the casting. We had a fantastic casting director, also Tina Becker, uh, who's a big indie film casting director, although she also uh, has worked with some of the major casting directors out there. So her reach and her, her um, contacts are huge, so she can get in front of anybody. So we just really lucked out uh, with a lot of hardworking, dedicated people. Yeah, and oh. if I may, you know, I, I think the relationships speak to being able to provide that level of casting in, in you know, an indie movie. Kevin, just through his in- industry uh, networking and being for so long, you know, in this industry and making those connections, you have more personalized relationships with agents, uh, you know, who can get you to their, to their rosters and things of that nature. There were face-to-face meetings with some of our top level cast, um, you know, talking about the script and talking about ideas before, you know, they truly committed. And it just, it, it was a team obviously effort, but you know, Kevin was integral with his relationships in those, in those situations. Jennifer, are you a uh, are you a fan of, of of the Western genre? You know, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm, I am now. Mm-hmm. Sure, of course. <laughs> you can't say no. I guess, but yeah, yeah. I, I grew I grew up watching them with my father for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, particularly, you know, series Gunsmoke and uh, you know shows shows of that nature. But you know, I wouldn't say that they were always my favorite. But I now see the intricacies of what it takes to go into making one of these films. And it, it, you know, I think people think that they're kind of uh, many times like low quality, low budget, you phone it in They're you know, they're cookie cutter, but it truly is not. Um, So I definitely have a a higher respect now for this genre and there may be more in the future. Well, like you said earlier about, you know, it's not just about the shoot up stuff or uh, cause like, especially like the story with Bruce Dern, a lot of it's about, like a redemption and forgiveness, you know, later in life before you die. So, you know, that's a, it's uh that could be said in any time. It just happens to be set in a Western. Right. Agreed. I mean, I think the, the subject matter, you know, as much as I, I let off with that, it's a, it's a good shoot 'em up, you know, sure. obviously that's, that's the world I come from. I'm a, yeah. I'm an eighties kid, you know, and, and watched all the movies growing up and action, eighties action stars and Clint Eastwood and all, you know, even, you know, Steve McQueen and, uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford and everybody growing up, all the, all the, all the guys, you know, growing up, uh, but the, it's, it's actually a very relevant story with, uh, you know, the first African-American Senator, you know, uh, coming to power and struggling with, uh, the decision is he 
setting this guy on the path for revenge or is it justice? And, and, you know, just the, you know, the strong female characters, they're not damsels in distress. Uh, you know, when you think this hero, Matthias Preacher is going to come in, swoop in and save the, you know, the damsels in distress. And, and, and in reality, they save him, both of them. There's, two, there's, you know, two very strong female characters in this movie on uh, two different chapters. And they both really save uh, Breacher at the end of the day, which is really, you know, the opposite of, of Westerns. So we thought it was a very, uh, you know, current, current theme set in the old West, but very, you know, but stories very current or applied, not current COVID-19 current, but current, you know, two months ago. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, it also, that was also the appeal um, to it for us. Yeah. One of the appeals yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what I like. It's, it's a combination of two things, like I said, topical and it does have the classic Western stuff. Like you're, you're definitely like the classic uh, hero in a Western movie. You're, you're silent and you're kind of brooding and stuff. And then uh, Jeff Fay, he really is having fun. It seems playing the villain. He's awesome in the movie. Oh, he's so cool. And I, I gotta say, you know, I mean, just he's just so good. So we, yeah, we're friendly with his manager and had been wanting to work with Jeff, you know, for a while. Jeff and Tony actually, we're friends with his manager, uh, Jeff Goldberg's great guy. And. Uh, Jeff loved the project. He wanted to be in it. And we didn't really talk too much about it. We didn't really talk about it prior. Uh, you know, just knew he was going to come and do a great job. So there wasn't much, you know, like uh, pre-production dealings with, with Jeff or, or Tony, to be honest. Uh, so the day that I, the first time as a, a producer or actor, to be honest, that I saw Jeff say, when we were doing the actual movie was when he actually shows up in the scene when he's introduced in the scene and, and it's after uh, my good friend, Ryan Kelly, who I shoot in the hand uh, in the bar mm-hmm. and I'm holding the gun on him. And then does this really nice wraparound shot and it shows, you know, it reveals Jeff Fahey and his cronies. Uh, that's the first time that I saw Jeff in costume on set as a character, you know, and in real time, on that shot because I, you know, I'm not even focused over there at all. I'm focused with the gun. They wrap around and Jeff was there and he literally, I mean, not even joking, like in true movie star fashion, he sucked the air out of the room. His, I mean, he just, his energy sucked the air out of the room and, you know, I'm the star of the movie, you know, I'm an independent movie. I'm in all my glory. I'm playing the character that I've wanted to play my entire life. You know, I've, I've arrived and, you know, I'm feeling great. And then here, here is this guy walks in, you know, and sucked the air out of the room and like sucked the life out of me for the rest of the day. And you can see it in the scene. I literally <laughs> oh, sit for the rest because we shot it, you know, it was shot, you know, chronologically that, that particular day. So the first half of the day was the first scene that you see. And then, you know, and then it evolved and, and all that stuff. So I literally just sat there and watched him do his thing. And I, it was unreal. I was like a kid in the candy store watching this happen in front of me in, in the movie that we were producing that, you know, that I'm in, I mean, it was just so amazing. What a talent and what he brought to that character. Nobody expected it. I mean, that was all him. That was all him. So, uh, kudos to Jeff Fahey and, uh, yeah, what, what a, what an experience. Yeah. yeah so much presence just being there. Were you on set a lot, Jennifer, uh, while they're making Badland? I was, but you know, really office, <laughs> right? Uh, right? So dealing with the, you know, the ins and outs of the, the, the business and the coordination side of things. So I didn't actually get to see as many scenes done as I would have liked. 
uh, but there's always next time. Yeah, well, you know, it's the, it's the catch twenty two of you know. There's three of us that you know that uh, partners in the company. Obviously, we surround ourselves with a lot of people to make the movie. But it's me, Jennifer, and our other partner, Sean Nightingale. And the the, the catch twenty two about you know it's a it's three person operation. You know, running the show uh, at the top, and one of us has to be in the movie, you know, so I'm in the, I'm being in the movie all day and we all, and, and they're so supportive, at, you know, it's like the dream team. So unfortunately Jennifer can't be on set while we're shooting because she's putting out all the fires that, you know, and or keeping the fires at bay and making sure everything's running smoothly uh, and keeping me shielded as the actor slash producer uh, while the cameras are over because we, we know that, you know, no matter what is happening, I mean, you know, the, uh, a building could be on fire or something uh, if the cameras are rolling, especially with an independent film, you can't afford to lose a minute. You know, that, that's, you know, a minute could cost you the day, uh, which could cost you the week, which could cost you the movie. There's no, there's no bag. There's not a dime to spare. Uh, so they, you know, Jennifer and Sean did a, an amazing job keeping me shielded from all the problems while the cameras are rolling. Uh, and, I, and I thank them for that because it, it really allowed me to immerse myself in the performance. And I didn't have to worry at all that things were being taken care of. Uh, you know, really wasn't my job to worry. And, and, uh, so I couldn't ask for two better partners. And unfortunately the, you know, the, uh, byproduct of that is that <laughs> Jennifer has spent a lot of time in the, in the office, you right. know, in the mobile sure. office, making sure that everything runs smoothly, but uh, I'm sorry, Jennifer, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> you know, and we had an incredible line producer as well, you know, who, who basically assisted with, so it was just, yeah, so so I was behind the scenes, as I always like to say. I'm always behind the scenes, um, you know, dealing with things, which is fine. I, I wouldn't have it any other way either. It's it's my place. Mm-hmm. Very good. I have to ask, uh, too, before I forget, what's it like to to be wa- waterboarded? When they're filming that scene, I kept thinking, like, <laughs> I know it's a movie, but it still can't be pleasant. Before, oh, yeah, he, no. answers that, before he answers that, I want to let you know that as the uh-huh. local counsel on the movie... They did not let me know they were going to film this scene. (laughs) True story. (laughs) Nobody tells Jennifer. Uh, that is funny. That is funny. (laughs) So yeah, you said that out loud. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, I mean, so you know, a little, a little bit about indie films. I, you have to roll with the punches. You have to be nimble and be able to turn on a dime and. That scene wasn't in the movie. Originally, you know, uh, Jeff Fahey's, you know, uh, cronies, you know, they knock out Breacher, they do what they do. They drag him out to the center of town, to that fountain that's in the middle of town and do the whole, you know, the whole trope of, you know, drowning him in the fountain and pulling him out and drowning him, you know, doing that whole thing. And uh, I thank my lucky stars, although on the day, you know, it was crazy because it was raining and it was going to rain for like two days. And it's very hard to shift the schedule around, especially when you're dealing with like high level actors, you know, Oscar winners like Mira Sorvino and West Duty and their schedules are, are so tight. There's not a lot of room, you know, in Jeff A, there's not a lot of room to, to wiggle around and move the schedule. So we couldn't lose that day. So game day decision was, Hey, let's move it inside. And uh, you know what? Like, can we waterboard me? 
uh, and then quickly everyone's on the internet. When was waterboarding invented? When were 1600s? Yes, we could do that. And I'm like, anybody got a burlap sack? Let's waterboard me with a burlap sack. But you know, and we just did it. There was no time to to check the safety and do whatever. I was like, guys, just do it. You know, like what? Like you're not trying to kill me. Let's just do it. Let's just go for it. And uh, I will. You know, if you know, like we'll see what happens. And we did it. Uh, and I, you know. It's one of those things, you know, call it a happy accident. And I think it adds such a level to the movie. I mean, I'm a brilliant uh, director of photography, Edon Menon, the, the way he got the lighting for the shot. I mean, it's, it's pouring rain outside. You can't hear it because we have a great sound designer. You can't tell because there's, you know, the 4K light. I'm probably butchering which light it is. So if you're, <laughs> if you're a lighting specialist, don't quote me. But, uh, you know, there's, a, there's light beaming through the window. So it looks like it's the morning sun. And uh, it's so dramatic. And when have you ever seen somebody getting waterboarded that's not like a modern, you yeah, know, exactly. uh, war movie? Yeah, like so it was so much fun. Yeah. Right. Totally. <laughs> and uh, so we did it. And, uh, you know, they got a little raw rubbed on my nose from that burlap, you know, and fighting against uh-huh. it and breathed in some water. And, and but, you know, it's like... Uh, you have to play it real and you have to do it. And we had to do it a lot of times and I'd get soaking wet and it was cold. And, uh, but what a good scene. And, you know, I don't want to talk up our own movie, but I think it added such a level to the movie and, and it wasn't in the script. Yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, it really is a great scene. Cool. And it, re- it really did come. I, when I was watching it, I was like, well, this does not look like a good time. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of movies, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was like, they don't cut away a lot. They're right there. And then, you know, they take this. I was like, oh, he's really there, you know. Uh, so I'm glad you were here to yeah. talk about that. And I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm cool. sure at the time it wasn't great. No, it was cool. It, it helps the movie. And, yeah. and a, little, a little Easter egg about the whole thing, too, is that the kettle that they use for that is the same kettle that, that was used in the cook ranch. (laughs) It's the same prop, just, Uh you know, a little demystification, a little Easter egg for you. It's the same prop that I believe coffee was poured out of was also poured over my face for one morning. Yeah. Multicast. Right. Right. (laughs) You get get squeezed every dime. Right. You mentioned the sound, and the sound of the movie is excellent, and the score really—it's a very classic, you know, Western score, and it really—it uh, just brings that movie together. Uh, so, when the first time you saw the movie with the score, uh, what did you think? I loved it. Well, you know, we uh, Jared Foreman does our scores. He's done the score on every movie we've done. This is our fifth movie. Mm-hmm. He's so talented. Uh, we found him because uh, he had worked on Hell on Wheels. And, you know, Hell on Wheels is, yeah. I mean, Anson Mount and Hell on Wheels, he also had, a, a you know, a, a, an influence over the, uh, well, if, if you watch uh, our other film, Any Bullet Will Do, it's, a, it's our first Western, it's set in the snow, very much influenced by, by Anson Mount's character in Hell on Wheels, uh, as well, the look of it, everything. Um, anyway, oh, you know, his clothes, and anyway. Uh, so we found, so we're like, well, we love this score. Who does this? And we looked and we found Jared called him up. He's a young guy. And, you know, he was happy to come on board and, you know, and, and work on this. So we've been using him ever since. We know his style. He knows, he knows our style. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, he wrote the score and we put it to the thing. And I think I only had like two notes for the entire movie. 
to change, you know, in the score for a vibe or whatever. He's just so talented and, and he just knows, you know, where, where guitar should come in and what's the vibe for the Western. You know, he also worked on making a murderer, which if you listen to that score on that show, it's amazing. So yeah, super lucky to have found him. And that's, you know, it's the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, you, you find who you like or, you know, things that you like and you just make a call and all they can do is say no. And in this instance, he said yes. And, it's a long lasting relationship. It's like the uh, George Lucas and John Williams or Steven Spielberg, John Williams connection, you know, it's like we're going to use them for everything. Yeah. I I produced my first feature in February before everything uh, went crazy here. And it was a much more draining experience than I ever thought. And also maybe appreciate uh, everyone involved in making a movie. So Jennifer, you know, uh, being on the production side for your first feature movie, uh, how different was it than you expected it to be? Well, you know, working in this space as as an attorney, as counsel on very, you know, independent uh, type films, I tend to deal with producers that are super green uh, and also maybe aren't up for the task. So I've worn the hat of producer, although not credited as producer, probably many times, you know, before. Um, so it wasn't much, much different, although my level of involvement, my presence required and all of that was obviously at a higher level, I would say. Uh, but it is everything from, you know, making pitches to budgeting to financials to, you know, casting. I, you know, I usually have my hand in pretty much everything on my previous films um, as counsel as well. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So you said that... Say, uh, you know, yeah. Go on, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I, 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 <laughs> I thought you were finishing. I'm sorry. I think there's just like a, a half a second delay on one of our ends. And so I accidentally talk over you every once in a while. So I apologize. Okay. I'll edit it out. Oh, good. I'm, I'm yeah. used to it. Kevin does it all the time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so was the, was Badland like all along going to be on Netflix? Like, was it, I don't know if made for Netflix is the right term, but uh, how did it come about that it would, it was going to be on Netflix, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't, it's not made for Netflix right. per se. And it sort of all depends on your distributor and um, if you have a distributor uh, and sort of the deals that they make. You know, we're fortunate that, you know, our distributor was able to make a deal with Netflix. So essentially what happens, you know, for in business affairs world uh, is that with Netflix purchases, they basically pay a one-time fee similar to like a red box or something like that. And so the, you know, the distributor makes that deal typically, or the producer may, you know, on their own, they get the one-time upfront fee and then Netflix has it for X amount of time, um, you know, exclusively on their streaming. And then, you know, sometimes it's opened up, but you know, in our case, it was streaming prior to that. It was on prime. It, it is still on prime, uh, you know, and on demand and all the, the subscription sites is uh, or that's the only subscription site that it's on right now um but that's sort of how it works with netflix so mm-hmm. netflix when they do have their own original movies they will hire out you know independent producers and you have that type of deal as well but that's not what happened in this instance mm-hmm. right it was originally it was uh, and we knew uh when we Signed the deal. We worked with a company called Cinedyne Entertainment. Uh, our first three movies uh, were released through Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. And anybody listening, if you have a chance, I would check out Big Legend and Any Bullet Will Do. 
Uh, we love those projects. One is another Western in snow. The other one is a, a Bigfoot uh, practical creature feature. And there is a, an appearance by really? the almighty Lance Henriksen. Uh, and awesome. you can check those out on. Uh, yeah, I have had him on the pod- podcast. Uh, I love Lance. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, what a good guy, right? Oh yeah. my God. He's yeah. such a good guy. Big legend. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you should check it out. Uh, you can watch it on Prime, free with Prime. It's not on Netflix, but I'm hoping now with the success of Badland that uh, they'll just call up and say, hey, what are your other movies? <laughs> but, uh, uh, but you can see it on Tubi, uh, Voodoo, free with ads, you know, all those platforms. But uh, then we, we got to deal with Cinedime Entertainment. And if you do a, a movie with a certain cast level, it's slated for what we call day and date release. And that's like 12 to 15 cities. It gets a limited theatrical. Uh, usually it's only one theater per city. Sometimes it's two. Uh, very, very small release. And really the release is, uh, the theatrical release is really a marketing tool to promote the premium placement on video on demand. So if, you, if you're in theaters now, and, and a lot of movies do it, uh, I can't really think of what, I mean, everything is doing it right now because of, you know, I mean, even like said, Trolls World Tour is a movie that's supposed to come out in movie theater. I just rented it the other day. Actually, full disclosure, Jennifer rented it twice, $20 a pop. (laughs) 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 It goes to show how how much fun she's having at home. Uh, (laughs) Sorry to air your dirty laundry. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. But I, so a day and date release uh, and it, it comes out uh, the same day on demand as it does in the theaters. It gets, you know, a week to, to four weeks in the theater, premium placement on demand. So if you have like Dish Network, it'll say, you know, in theaters now or watch on demand and it'll have like a little banner as you're scrolling through your channels and it gets premium placement on iTunes and certain websites and you get, you know, you can rent it for $8 or $7 while it's in the movie theater. And then it goes through that circuit uh, then it comes out of the theater and it gets uh, bumped down to like a regular, like you can rent it on Amazon Prime and you can buy the DVD and the Blu-ray gets released into Walmart and and Best Buy and Target and Fred Meyer and everywhere else that you can buy a DVD and a Blu-ray and it runs that circuit. And then, you know, that, that's the natural, you know, progression. And then it gets to where it can go on a streaming service, like a, a subscription-based streaming service, like uh like Amazon, like free, if you have Amazon prime membership, you can watch it or on Netflix, you can watch it. So uh, that's where it went. So it had that whole release it was actually released in November. So it took from November 1st, all the way to March 26th. I'm not going to do the math. That's quite a few months. Uh, and it got, it got the, uh, the release on Netflix. So this is our first movie, our fifth movie, but our first time making it to Netflix. It's it's gotten very stringent in the past few years. And you, as a as a uh, you know a producer um, of indie films as well, I mean, you should you should know. I mean, it's gotten very difficult to oh, yeah. get yeah, films yeah. on Netflix. Uh, and yeah. it used to be much easier. You know, we kind of missed the boat, so we we're very fortunate to get on Netflix. Uh, but the thing is, Netflix didn't even it didn't even get out. There's no marketing push. For, for it on Netflix. They just picked it up. They, they acquired the license. Uh, don't call me. It's either three months or six months exclusive for uh, a subscription-based service. Uh, it's still on Amazon Prime. You can still buy the DVD and the Blu-ray in the stores and on Prime. Uh, but uh, they just released, you know, like what's new on Netflix this week, you know, and it was, you know, uh, 20 movies and Badland. 
and it just organically connected. There was no rhyme or reason to it. I mean, you can speculate all day long. Uh, was it because people were home watching, you know, so many people are home in quarantine watching movies. Was it because it was a Western? Was it because of the only new movie that no one's seen? Who, who knows? But, but the people watched it and, and spoke and it's just a, a blessing. Well, I think I said that twice in this, in this interview, but it's just, I, you know, I, I just can't stress enough how, how humbling and how, you know, how, how humble and how much gratitude we have to everybody that watched this movie and told somebody to watch it. And, you know, uh, as indie producers, I mean, we were up against uh, Lionsgate and, and Netflix originals and all these, you know, not that we were against anybody. It wasn't, it's not right. competition, it's, it's not to time. us. We were just happy to have our movie. Right. Right. And we were just happy to have our movie out. And the fact that it caught on is just, I mean, it's just unbelievable. It, and we're just, we're, we're, over the moon about the whole thing and the doors that it opened up uh, for us and what's next for us. And it's just all going to be great. And really what we want to focus on besides our own projects is now helping other independent uh, filmmakers navigate through this crazy space that, that we actually had a little bit of success in mm-hmm. and now we kind of know the landscape and our name means a little something in this little tiny space that we're working in. And, you know, how can we pay it forward and how can we work with other filmmakers to, uh, you know, help demystify the whole process. So, you know, it's a very exciting time for us. Yeah. Would you like to see more of the Breacher character? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, my favorite character to date playing, uh, except for when I played Steven Spielberg in Zeroville uh, that came out last year. But besides, besides playing Steven Spielberg, this is the most uh, amazing character I've, I've played to date. And I, yeah, I would, I would love to bring him back to life. And actually, uh, we're in the works right now. Um, we have partnered with Scott LaBelle. Uh, he wrote Happy Death Day, but he's also a, an amazing comic book writer. He created a bunch of X-Men characters in the 90s. He's most recently worked on Superman and the Red Hood uh, for DC Comics. He's got a lot of, lot of good comic books out there. And so we're working on, because we can't shoot movies right now, we're doing a, an online comic version. Scott just created a, a thing called Quarantine Comics. It's Quarantine Comics, but Quarantine okay. Comics. And, and uh, we've been you know, doing like 10, 10 panel quick comic books, you know, like a, you know, like a five series of like 10, 10 images. And oh, he's writing them. So we partnered up and we're doing uh, a Badland, a Breacher comics so it's going to be stories uh yeah it's cool and it should be launching in the next couple of weeks so keep you posted on that yeah Uh, but really cool great artist that captured my likeness well and we're also working on and i mean it's very premature but i'll we'll we'll drop it right now as a little tease and hopefully it comes to fruition but doing like a motion online comic book uh so taking that same premise of that comic series the online comic series that everybody could watch uh and doing it motion capture and then getting actors to voice the, the comic oh, itself. That's very uh, so it's yeah. kind of what, it'd be fun, right? I mean, there's, you know, uh, I don't know if, you know, there's a lot of great stuff that's coming out of this, this whole thing, not, you know, to make lemonade out of lemons, but did anybody watch, uh, I don't to get off topic, but Saturday night live last week, it was the last week of the week before they did it all from home. Uh, it was one of the funniest Saturday night live episodes that I've seen in a long time. And, you know, there's just, 
it's just cool to see that, you know, there are other ways to create content and create things for people to watch that don't need the big machine behind it. And they're as funny, if not funnier, they're, they're so passionate, uh, you know, not just saying it live. There's a lot of these kinds of things going on. Uh, this comic book included where it's, it's just stripped down to the bare bones. It's, it's pure art, you know, in, in, you know, adapting to this new environment and the digital age and just getting it out for the masses to see, uh, you know, so again, making lemonade out of lemon in this crazy situation. And, and a lot I think of we just said there, cause I, I think some, sometimes things can be overproduced. Uh, and then when you have something, like you said, stripped down to just like the creative art of it, uh, you know, you get a little more creativity there and it's not diluted by other things. And it, it's cool to see the creativity out there. And I, like when I've interviewed different people, um, like uh, Tom Savini, makeup artist, and he said the best time in his career was, you know, like creating this stuff before you had like the big budgets and knew how to make zombies and stuff was just, you know, learning how to do it. And, you know, just the pure creativity of that. And that's the fun. And I think that's the fun of, of independent film. You know, I, I, I say to people sometimes, you know, we're talking about independent film and, you know, it's, it's, it's a very thankless job. It's a very, you know, it's, it's so hard. I mean, you're sweating blood, you're working, you know, 20 some odd hours a day, every day for not a lot of money. Uh, but the, but what you get out of it is that you get to tell the stories that you want to tell. And, you know, you don't have to make, you make the personal sacrifices, but you don't have to make the big studio level sacrifices and, and you get to make what you love. I mean, I think if you're making an independent film, you know, you better be making what you love. And I think right. that's, you know, the ones that really connect with people, you know, it doesn't have to be an expensive story. It doesn't have to have crazy special effects. There's so much heart and soul that goes in. And that's really the basis of art is, is heart and soul and, and talent. And it all, you know, you, you pour it into your indie films uh, or your indie art or whatever you're doing. And uh, you know, you better be doing what you love if you're working that hard. And uh I lost yeah. your train of thought, but <laughs> no, I told you. you get the idea. Yeah, if you could connect this up, uh, connect this with someone on a, some type of emotional uh, level, but to me, that's art. Agreed, a hundred percent. And it's all subjective, uh, so you know. That, so yeah. don't, don't. I guess that was my point: is that don't, you know, do what you love. You better be doing what you love because it's it, there's not a big reward at the end of the day. Sometimes, like we're fortunate enough with this whole Netflix situation, for sure. Right. Uh, that's the big reward. Uh, but you do it because you love it. And if you can make some money along the way and help people along the way, that's amazing. But you better be yeah. doing what you love uh, because it's hard work. And, and, you know, again, it's, it's thankless for the most part. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that's why we do it. Mm -hmm. So, Jennifer, are you going to continue to uh, – I'm sure you are. I think you already said you are. But you'd like to continue to produce movies and then make stuff with Kevin? Oh, yeah. Kevin and I have a, a slate, a large slate, uh, along with our partner, Sean, that we're going to be, you know, looking to produce in the next, you know, few years. We have one project on deck already that sort of got sidelined with the current, uh, you know, crisis. But we're certainly, you know, full speed ahead on that. We've acquired, um, you know, a book series. We're looking at acquiring another book series, moving into other spaces, you know, television, possibly podcasts, uh, you know, shorter content. So we're expanding quite a bit um, beyond film as well. Mm -hmm. But there's also several films that we're looking to do. 
Yeah, we just we actually just acquired a book series, uh, three three books in a series by Bobby Cole. Uh, is the writer's name. You can check them out on Amazon. The first book is called The Dummy Line, and it's the Jake Crosby story. And he's just a regular guy in the first book that, you know, he takes his daughter, Turkey Hunting. She's nine years old. They have this really special bond. They do a lot of outdoor activities together, and they're in the woods, and there's a bunch of these guys that are on the run and high, laying low in the woods. They come across him, and he's forced into a situation, you know, uh, a life-or-death situation, and it's a, it's a really cool story. The book is really cool. Uh, it's got a lot of great reviews. You know, if anybody's looking for something, an action thrillery kind of thing to to read during this time, I would check that out. But that's uh, going to be a trilogy movie series that is also on deck for us, and we're very excited uh-huh. about. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And with the with yeah. the rise of all the streaming sites, uh, even before this happened, you know, there's it's uh, so many new platforms that then they all need content. So it's a it's a really good time to to create, you know, movies or series, miniseries, anything like that, because there's so many places it can go. I agree. I, you know, listen, I, I call it the golden age of independent film, mm-hmm. because uh, again, like, like I said earlier, you can release, you, you can make a movie for $50,000 and get a, a, a name or two in it. If you, if you can, and if you're resourceful and, you know, shoot it in a way, and you can release it on iTunes or Amazon or all of the platforms the same day, like so, like the same day Hobbs and Shaw comes out, and it, it can be, you know, it, and and here's a blockbuster movie with The Rock and Jason Statham, you know, and your key art, your little, uh, you know, thumbnail of your movie is right next to their movie because it's released in the same week, and it's just leveled the playing field, like I said, and and it's very exciting. So, you know, for all you aspiring indie filmmakers or actors or directors of photography, start talking to your friends, start scraping together some money and, and get together, and obviously. Everybody should be staying home right now, but right, you should be right. talking to everybody because once, once the veil is lifted, you know, go out, make your own movie, make your own movie. But if I give one bit of advice for any aspiring filmmaker or producer that's already doing it, get a named actor in your movie, get a recognizable name. We all want to make the movies we want to make. Some people think it's impossible to do, but it's the one thing that will set you apart. It's the one thing that will help you secure a distribution deal. And that's what you want to do, whether your movie makes its money back or not. If you're, if you're showing that you're making movies with, somewhat of a financial plan involved with it and you're and you're putting it out there it'll help you secure financing for your next one uh it'll just keep the ball rolling but if you spend all your money and you make a passion project without any viable names in it i know it sounds horrible it's just a bit of advice something that we learned um you know a very hard lesson to learn uh but it really helps you to secure a distribution deal and get your movie seen by more people uh, and it gets you closer to breaking even on your movie or taking a much lower loss because most of these movies do lose money. Um, but it's, it's just going to keep you uh, able to continue making more movies and get more eyes on the movies and more, more people seeing your work. And that's just the reality of it. So that's, uh, that's a bit of advice I would like you know, for independent filmmakers to really take to heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very important. Yeah. You shouldn't you- sacrifice your vision. But sure. it, wherever you can fit it in somehow, you have to be clever and think out of the box. And it just really helps. It really yeah. helps. Because there are so many things out there to choose from. And if someone sees a name they know, they're more likely to watch it. And you have to get people to watch it before they could tell if they like it or not. You could have something great, but if no one's going to watch it, you know, what does it matter? 
100%. And you know, and it's, it's sad. I see movies that are terrible. Not that I want to say any movie is terrible. I want to right. think all movies are great, uh, but they have some names in them. And just because a name is in it, you know, recognizable name doesn't mean it's a good movie. And then I see no, movies that don't have any names in it that are so amazing, but nobody's watching them because, you know, you have to, you, like you said, like you just said, you, you have to have a reason to watch it. Uh, so, you know, I like to think that we've, you know, we're getting close to mastering the balancing act of getting, you know, names in that fit the roles, you know, and tell the story uh, and still tell a great story. You know, we put a lot of money into the cast and still able to uh, have great production value and tell a good story. Yeah. That's another thing is to sacrifice story. Yeah, sorry. Another thing is incorporating the talent because I've, I watch a lot of stuff for the shows and, uh, Sometimes someone will pop up and you could tell they're just there for a cameo and they don't really fit the movie at all. They're just like there for some reason. Uh, and then other times, honestly, Badland, everyone's incorporated. They, they, they have actual roles. You know what I mean? Uh, they're part of the movie. They don't just stand right, up. Yeah. That guy just showed up for, for no reason. Right. And that was very well. That was part of the development process of, of, of that. How do we get, uh, you know, how do we make a movie where the the main character is interacting with, you know, all of these different, you know, all of these different people that, that amazing actors can play and not having any of them be cameos. And that was a very, a very crucial part. I mean, if you take spoiler alert, but you know, Trace Atkins, I mean, country superstar, Trace Atkins, six foot five, you know, the voice that could, you know, think a ship. I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it sounds it's, uh, impressive. you know, I mean, Exactly. Right. It just, it just came out. Uh, but you know, just that, you know, and, and just a, a superstar in, in the country music world. And he shows up, he's in the movie for like seven minutes, but his role is as important as Jeff Fahey's role. Jeff Fahey's in the movie for like 30 minutes. Uh, you know, Todd, Tony Todd is in the movie for 10 minutes total. Like these guys, some people have small parts, some people have big parts, but every single role in this movie is as important as the other, you know, Brewster and Jeff Fahey, uh, Trace Atkins, they're all pivotal parts. They all have different amount of screen time, but each one is an, is just as important as the other. Tony Todd, small role, but you know he's he's the reason why Matthias Breacher set on his path. I mean, he's the you know he started the whole thing, so his role is super important. Uh, you know, Amanda West, she's in it at, at the end, uh, and you know she saves Breacher. I mean, it's a, you know there's everybody has an important role, and and that's what we you know we incorporate it in our films is, you know, we know we're, we're uh, independent film. We don't have a ton of money. There's not a ton of money to pay people, but uh, we refuse to do, you know, you know, refuse to do cameos. If, you, if you're coming on screen for something, you, there's a real purpose and you're telling the story and we crafted it in a way that it is an integral part of the story, not just a cameo, not, you know, Mel Gibson doesn't show up in the bar and, and hand me a beer, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and say something and leave. It's not a cameo just to have his name in there, but that happens a lot. Uh, yeah, but we try not to sacrifice story for talent. Mm-hmm. So, was, uh, and I appreciate was, you, you recognizing that. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, and I was mentioning a horror movie fan, so it's cool to see uh, some horror people in there. But also, when I, I interviewed Tony Todd at a horror movie convention, Rock and Shock, years ago, and he talked about uh, he watched movies with his grandmother. That's how he got into watching movies. And his favorite genre was westerns, and he always wanted to be in a western. So uh, I thought, oh, it's awesome that, that he's in a western here, Tony Todd. 
Yeah, he loved the rifleman. We talked about it. Yeah, it was yeah, it was really cool. Tony Todd was great. He he showed up on set, and again, you know, he he worked. I think he worked a day. Uh, you know, we shot all of those scenes with him in a day, and he showed up with a backstory. You know, he he, he pulled me aside as the actor. You know, uh, and said, "Hey, you know, what's our relationship?" And what you know, and like we talked it out. You know, we're like while we were going through wardrobe and makeup and all that stuff, we had this little bit of time and we talked for like an hour about backstory. And then he did so much research on the character, just on a, a small role. You know, he could have come in and just said the lines, you know, with his amazing voice and his talent, he doesn't need to do much to sell a role, right? He's amazing. Uh, and he's a true professional, but he brought a whole thing to this character. I mean, it, it's just the, the level of commitment. It, it was he, uh, what an amazing guy. An amazing guy. I'm so appreciative to have worked with him, and and really, uh, you know, again, appreciative that that he really brought his A game and and went above and beyond for really what was asked of him. Uh, and he did all that on his own, and it's it's very commendable. Yeah, for sure. Very cool. So, Badland is on Netflix right now. So I recommend it. I actually told my mom to watch it because she's a big Western fan. And I uh, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. And uh, well, actually, where where can people follow you online too? If you if if you want them to do so, uh, you can follow me at, at Kevin Makeley on Instagram. Please do. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm kind of I don't want to say I'm totally new, but uh, I'm not great at the social media. So I'm trying to work on that, build up a little bit of a following, and uh, I do my very best to get back to everybody with questions and comments and and everything. I, I love that stuff. Uh, you know, I'm a big movie fan and, and fan of actors and musicians. And if, you know, I can, you know, I, I think about all the times that I've reached out or met somebody that I admire or whatever, and, and getting a little interaction, uh, it always, you know, these memories burned into my mind. If I could be that person for other people out there, uh, you know, that that's, that's why I do this, you know, to make other people feel the way that I feel when I meet the characters and the actors and the people that I love. So, uh, I do my best to get back to everybody, please, you know, find me on Instagram and, uh, ask me questions or what, you know, comments, whatever you want, and we'll, we'll talk. And, uh, that's, what I'm here for, but you can also find us uh, pop octopus productions as a website. We have uh, a Facebook page. Uh, so find it, like it, all that stuff. Uh, but you can also find Badland on, on Amazon prime. If you don't have Netflix, you can buy the DVD. Uh, you can order it through Walmart or don't go to any store and get it, but you can order it at Walmart or Amazon or anything. Uh, and Jennifer, anything to add to all that? I'm sorry, I, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> no, right. No, and yeah, the, it, the, we all have Facebook pages. The company has a Facebook page, Pop Octopus Productions. Uh, also on Instagram, I'm not sure the handle of the company, but you can search it. I am I at I am Jen Ambrose on Instagram as well as Facebook. Um, so you can find us fairly easily, and we're pretty responsive uh, as far as social media goes. Yeah, and be sure you, if, you know if you if you like bad, then you should you should find any bullet will do. You can now on on whatever platforms you watch free stuff. Check out Big Legend. It's a fun movie. It's a little different than what you're used to seeing from us, uh, and it's just a lot of fun stuff. And 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 stay tuned. We have a lot of fun stuff coming up. And just want to thank everybody for watching and and really you know making for me anyway this fanboy's dream uh, come true. It's, you know, I'm living the dream right now. And, 
you know, and I thank everybody. And I just want to say, stay home, stay safe. Don't go out, do your part to, you know, to curb this virus. Uh, it's not a lot being asked of us right now. Just stay home, stay home and watch movies. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you both coming on. Thanks, Neil. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Cool. All right. Thanks. All my high school friends are off in college now. And I get high and watch TV all day. Living in my mother's basement's really not that bad. I got everything I need and I don't pay. And playing ball Then came my school classes That I couldn't understand And girls who wouldn't notice me at all But I never asked to grow up So please don't make me do it I wasn't meant to grow up Don't think I'll make it through it Things have been going south since I But I say not now No, not right now But when they say I need to get a life I just agree with them But I don't know how for me.